of the fact that it's a real privilege to share God's word with God's people and especially with God's leadership. Those that have said yes to God and want to serve him with all their hearts, given up so many of the things that they could have had, enjoyed, etc., but would rather just do what God wants and uh, give it all they've got for him. I want to start this session this morning just by saying sometimes it's it's helpful to just stop in ministry, stop for a while and ask ourselves, why are we doing what we're doing every day? Why do we do what we do each day? What are the things that motivate us and consume us? What motivates us in our leadership and in our ministry? And what I want to share with you in this session and possibly in a second session, what I share with you, I, I trust you'll understand will truly help you save a lot of your uh, mental, emotional and physical exhaustion, a lot of unnecessary hurts and a lifetime possibly of, of wasted energy um, and wasted time. If you can truly grasp what I'm trying to say to you this morning, I honestly believe it, it can save your life your marriage, uh, all sorts of things that could exhaust and take just take you out earlier in life than you should go. And so I want to start, and I'm hoping I can get back to this in this session by just saying this, and it's become a cliche in our circles, I think, to some degree, but I, I want to say it again this morning and ask you to ask God to help you to understand what this really means. And this, it's this, simply this, only that which is done out of love for Jesus. Only that which is done out of love for Jesus in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Who he is, what he is, his power. In accordance with the word of God. Conceived and birthed in the place of prayer and revelation. Only that will last through time for all of eternity. Anything else is going to be consumed, messed up, blown away as the flames of the fire come and test our works. I'm hoping later I can break that statement down a little further, but just to move on now and say that there seems to be four ways that people attempt to build God's church. Now bear this in mind. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And Psalm 127 verse 1 says, except the Lord build the house, its builders labor in vain. Only that which is done out of love for Jesus. And so we could go back to that statement. Well, the four ways that I see around that I think incorporate most everything that people are trying to do around the body of Christ in the church around the world. The four ways that people attempt to build the church. The first way is, I'm not saying that these are not all the right ways, I'm just sharing with you what I see as, as I've watched, observed over these last 40, 50 years. The first way is we can depend upon our own abilities, our own skills, our own wisdom, our own strength, etc. In other words, what I can do. Bearing in mind again that it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
The second way that some people seem to be trying to build a church is we can borrow the resources of the world systems, the world's, um, all their resources, politically, business-wise, and do it like a business or like a political party. Using the world's ideas, the world's tools, its mechanisms, its methods, its program. There's so many ideas people today, and their ideas are just sound so marvelous but they're not grounded in the Word of God. So I go back to say, except the Lord build the house, its builders labor in vain. The third way is we can imitate the strategies that God may have given to other people that seem to be working, and the moment we begin to imitate them, they become formulas. Now we can always learn from other people. When we imitate what they're doing, and then try to impose it into the situation that God has called us into, it, it's destined for failure. And then the fourth way, and this is the way we should be building it, is we can depend upon the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, His wisdom, His power, His enablings, His equippings, His timings, His ability and His willingness to communicate, share with us how to build in partnership with Him. Can I repeat that again? We can depend upon the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, His wisdom, His power, His enablings, His equippings, His timings, His word, His will, His ways, His ability and His willingness to communicate, share with us how to build in partnership with him. The first three may give an appearance of success for a while, but they're going to fail the test in the end, the test of time, and we will have wasted a lot of our lives, time, money, energy, etc. So again, only that which is built through the power of the Holy Spirit, the, only, the ability of the Spirit to get the job done through us, and that's what the anointing is. The anointing is the Spirit's ability to get the job done in and through those he anoints. And only that will glorify God, produce fruit, fruit that will last, much fruit, more fruit, fruit that will last, the John 15 type, and will survive the fires of God's judgment that we read of in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through to 15. Now, listen to me carefully when I say this, please, folk. Church is weakened and it's fragmented through personal preferences and powerlessness and selective emphasis. It's fragmented, it's weakened through one, personal preferences, and so many in leadership today seem to be propagating their personal preferences, leaving out everything else that they don't like. Or through powerlessness, people trying to share the gospel and see lives changed and nations won for Jesus, but without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, through selective emphasis. So there seem to be seven types of churches that seem to embrace almost everything you can get around the world church-wise. And I'm just going to give you seven little Ps. Now, I use alliteration for the simple reason of it helps us to remember, not to be clever. A lot of people seem to be using 
um, these kind of words in order to impress people. I'm doing it. Alliteration uh, uh, is for so that we can remember more, more easily. It's so much easier to remember if you say P, 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 whatever it may be. So the first kind of church that it seems to be around in the body of Christ is that which I call the preaching church, where the major emphasis of every meeting is logos, and so often without any rhema taking place in it. The, so the better the preacher, the more the people gather, because they gather around a preacher preaching. They gather to hear him, and when he leaves or she leaves, the church shrinks again. The second kind of church or type of church that I see around in the body of Christ today is what I call the pastoral church, where the emphasis is caring, counseling ad nauseum, making people and their needs, the emphasis of all of our ministry, turning prayer meetings into, into inward things instead of the outward, praying for the nations of the world. My house shall be a prayer, house of prayer for all nations. But we just turn everything inward and make people the center of everything instead of Christ. And that is the pastoral. Now, there's nothing wrong with a good preaching. There's nothing wrong with good uh, pastoring. But if those are the emphasis, that our emphasis is seriously lacking and it becomes fragmented and weakness, weakened and uh, it becomes powerless in the end. Then the third kind of church I see around is what we, I would call the priestly church where they major on priestly things, such as prayer, praise, prophesyings, but very little Bible, very little love, call for commitment, uh, being committed to one another, committed to God's word. And there seems to be a, almost a total absence of the real life of the Spirit of God in our midst. Very often, it's more about music and musicians than about Jesus. Uh, or it's more about prayer, uh, how, how well you pray. Or it's more about, can I get a prophecy? Uh, uh, instead of the emphasis being on Jesus. Once again, we need to be priests. We need to prophesy. We need to pray. We need to praise. We need good music if we can find it. But if that's our emphasis, we're becoming less and less effective as we go on. Then there is what I call, and I use this in quotation marks, power, end of quotation marks, power churches. And that's, we just got to get some kind of power. And if we can't get it and we make it happen, and so uh, that's what it ends up eventually. We keep on emphasizing power, 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 instead of seeing that it's everything together. Moving on quickly, there's others that talk about what I call the presence, quotation mark, presence churches, end of quotation mark, where they seek to be saturated or soaked every meeting that they come to, usually measure, measuring the effectiveness of that meeting, not on, on non-biblical evidences, things that aren't even recorded in the Word of God and would be hard to read into uh, the scriptures if we keep them in their, their, on their genuine context. Moving on from that, we've got what I call the phantom churches, another P, P-H, phantom, where hurt believers get together, 
criticize other churches, criticize leaders they allowed to hurt them. There's no real leadership, uh, no accountability. They show up when they want to. Uh, and then they call it freedom. Many have become phantom, even while they remain in the movement that they're in, or the denomination, or the flow, whatever they call it. And uh, they no longer are a genuine part of what they really were part of in the past. Uh, they're still in there, but they're not really a part of it anymore. And then there's the seventh type of church, and that's what I call the prophetic apostolic church. <clears throat> Normally I would say apostolic prophetic, but to keep the peace, prophetic apostolic, which incorporates all of the above and heals and transforms the phantom church. It's the church that sees the future, prepares for the future and becomes the future, catches what God's on about, what God's trying to do and seeks to cooperate with him and, minister, uh, uh, and ministers to and for God at every level. Going back just a moment for, to the prophetic, in Acts chapter 2 verses verse 31 and in Amos chapter 3 verse 7, uh, it, it, it says that David was a prophet, seeing what lay ahead, he prophesied. Uh, the prophetic sees the future. It sees what God's up to. And they, they, it follows what God's doing. It prepares for what God's trying to do. And it eventually becomes what God is trying to do. It becomes the future. The book of Acts church is still the prophetic church to us, the future church that we haven't even reached that, that they had in the, right after the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. They were more powerful more effective, more fruitful, etc., than we are 2,000 years later. You see, they were truly prophetic, and that's what God wants us to become again. The prophetic, prophetic apostolic church, living in the realities of Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 10, and uh, chapter 15, verses 16 to 21, Isaiah 49, verses 1 to 3. I want you to look that up for yourself rather than me give it all to you. But they the people that stand in the council of God, and see what God's doing, and become like the sons of Issachar who could discern the times and knew what Israel should do. Uh, with Jeremiah 23, 16 to 22, etc. So the, the prophetic it lives in the challenge and tension of perpetual change. And that's the Matthew 9, 17 um, wineskin. The apostolic is the church that's on the move. It goes, not just gathers. It, it, it gives, not just takes. It sends, doesn't just stay. Even in, it does all of this in and through the local church. And even a base church, which I'm hoping I can get to in this or the next session, a base church, we need to see that it's there for the good of others to reach the nations. Apostolic, the, the Matthew 28 Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Now that call is upon all churches, I believe, but so few become base churches to reach the nation. They suddenly become community or city churches and they stop being what they should be, base churches for the nations. But they, to be a, a, an apostolic church, you have to write to an apostolic team, a translocal team, uh, that works into the existing churches, but also helps those existing churches to reach out into the nations of the world, planting new churches everywhere with men, with new converts, 
planting them in new Bible, New Testament, Bible-based churches. Uh, you see, when we work with the translocal team, the translocal team helps us to keep the wider implications of what our call is. And, and we, keep, we, we work together, local and translocal. We, we understand the implications and our perspective keeps widening and, and enlarging and going for more at every level. Look at Acts chapter 14, verses 21 to 28. Read it for yourself. How they were in the church, they went out, they came back, reported back, went out, strengthening churches, going back to the churches, planting new churches, going back to those that had been planted. That's what God is wanting for the church to become today afresh. So, seven ways we can build church. I'm just quickly hoping I can get to uh, uh, this little, a little part of this here. You see, what I've been talking about in all of these things, the four ways that people build churches and the seven types of churches, those things become or develop out of our philosophy of ministry. Now, I, I don't want to become philosophical about this by using the word philosophy, but we have to have a philosophy of ministry that is Bible-based. It's so important. To, be, to, to become and then remain effective. And when we talk about the philosophy of ministry, this is what I'm talking about. We're talking about the reason behind what we do and why we do it. Why what we do and why we do it. What we consider to be the most important, the meeting point of our beliefs and our tasks. How we do it. Read for yourself in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 3 to 6 and 12 to 18. And I'll tell you what is helpful to read that in whatever version of the Bible you normally read it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6, and, the, and then verses 12 to 18. And then read it in that version that you normally use. And then read it in the Message Bible. It'll just helps you to see it a little clearer. So my philosophy of ministry the reason why I behind what I do and who I do it with, why I do it, that I consider to be the most important things, the meeting point of my beliefs and my uh, tasks is to be biblical, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, directed by Him, and to do it in team with others, not on my own. That's my philosophy of ministry in a nutshell. To be biblical, empowered by the Holy by the Spirit of God, and directed by Him in team and not on my own. That means that those that embrace the biblical that kind of um, philosophy of ministry, that means that the Bible, God's Word, must be the final authority in all that we teach and all that we do or practice, no matter how attractive other things may seem. It has to be the Bible in all that we emphasize, all that we experience for everyone in the church. So breaking this down then, we need to grasp what do we mean by church? What it really is. And the New Testament gives us a number of descriptive terms and analogies about the church, the body of Christ, the temple of God, the bride of Christ, God's flock, God's field, God's building. 
the called out or separated ones, a peculiar people, branches on the vine, the light, the salt, the stewards, adopted sons, heirs of the Father, partners with Christ, priests, servants, soldiers, um, athletes, ambassadors, and so the list goes on. What do we mean by church? In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through to 12, gives us a vital part of what that is. And I'm just going to pick out a part here. It says that we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belong to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are the people of God. So what do we mean by church? Secondly, what's the purpose of the church? Well, I've given some of that, what the church should be doing. But here's just a few little things quickly. What is the church about? Well, it's there to bring praise to the glory, to be to the praise of his glory, as Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 through to 12 tells us. To manifest or reveal the wisdom of God, as Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5 to 12 tells us. To fulfill the great commission, as Matthew 28, 18 to 20 tells us. Seeing people one for Christ kept by the power of God, discipled, etc. We're still talking about its purpose, to raise up a priesthood of all believers, to see God's people mature, grow up and become Christ-like. That we were part of the purpose of the church is to train more leaders to become more effective, equipping them, not just telling them about things, teaching by instruction, equipping them, all the saints, to do the work of the ministry through preaching, teaching, true training, not just lecturing. Caring for the flock, maintaining and keep or keeping a flexible wineskin of the Matthew 9 type thing, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, building a culture. Listen to this one, building a culture of effectiveness and fruitfulness. And then, of course, praying as Ephesians 6, 18 to 19 tells us, Colossians 4, 2 to 3 and verse 12 tells us, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 and 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 onward. Read those things for yourself. If you're serious about getting better equipped for God, having a biblical philosophy of ministry, building God's way, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, please hear me, in Jesus' name, I'm asking you, go and get before God on your knees with what I'm saying. Read these scriptures till the Spirit of God makes them so alive in you. So all of this is done by faith. And faith really, and this context I'm talking about is faith, F-A-I-T-H. Faith is forsaking all I trust Him. Faith. Forsaking all I trust Him. Will you do it? Will you go all out for God? Will you change your philosophy of ministry? Will you change the type of church that your church has become if it's not an all out apostolic prophetic church? Why are you doing what you're doing each day? That's how we started. That's the question I'm asking you as you close. Ask God to help you to answer those questions honestly. In Jesus' name, I'm asking it. Blessings upon you. And thanks for the privilege of sharing God's word with you. I want with all my heart to see you the best you can be for God and to play my little part in contributing towards that. God's blessing be on you. Thank you.